hi, I didn't see you there. I may look like a little, a little bit like Pastor Nelson, but I assure you I'm not. My name is Asaph, and this is my liar. I'm not Asaph. Maybe you've heard about him, the guy who writes the fables. That's not me. I'm Asaph, and I know King David. I live at about the same time as him. He is a prolific psalm writer, a church musician, kind of like me. The Holy Spirit, God, inspired him to write a lot of songs in the Bible, but the Holy Spirit has been with me too. And I just finished writing a new psalm. I was wondering if I could share it with you. It, it, it was a really hard psalm to write. It was a, psalm, a hard experience in life to get through, to be able to get to the point where I could write this thing down. But I hope it's helpful for you as we can worship God together. So let's look at this psalm. Well, now, now you guys call it Psalm 73, but let's read this together. It says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven. Their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you placed them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. 
Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Thanks for helping me tell of those deeds. I'll put this away for now. But let me tell you about how I wrote this psalm, what was going through my head. Because this came from a dark time in my life. I knew this first verse. I understood this. I'd been studying God's word, working in the temple. And it says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. If you're pure in heart, if you're connected to Israel, if you are a believer, God is good. He's good. Yet my observation did not match up with what God said in his word, it felt like. And truth be told, I was ready to give up. I was ready to turn away from God for a while there. I think I was, I was going toward unbelief. So that's why I wrote that, that first line. As for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had almost lost my foothold. And why? Maybe you can relate too. Because I looked out and it didn't seem like God was being fair. It didn't seem like God was keeping his promise of being good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. It looked like he was good to people who were not pure in heart. I looked out at the evil people in this world who had no regard for God. And what did I see? They have no struggles. <laughs> Their bodies are healthy and strong. It's like sickness doesn't even affect them. These common human burdens that it seems like I have every single morning, I never notice it in them. They have pride, they have violence, they have evil imaginations. Their words are malice, they threaten that they look out and they lay claim to heaven and take the earth. It is all mine. Everything is out there on the table for me. And if I want it, I'm going to go ahead and take it. And it feels like they can. People turn to them and drink up their waters. It's like they're talking and the people are just thinking, yes, and just taking it all in. How can I be like them? And here I am trying to work for God and sing his praises and share God's word with people. And instead of coming to me and coming to God and worshiping him, it seems like everybody's going the other way and listening to what they want to hear coming from the evil, the violent, the oppressive, because it seems like, like their, their life is working out pretty well for them. And I just didn't think that was fair. It was what, what the wicked are like. They're always carefree. They just go on amassing wealth. You know, I tried to talk to them once. I tried to call them back and say, hey, God knows. God knows what you're doing. Stop that and follow him. And they laughed. <laughs> Asaph, God knows. Right. As if God, the most high, actually knows or cares what's going on here. Sure doesn't look like it. How's that following God going for you, Asaph? And it made me think. How is that following God going for me? And it took me down a dark path when I thought about that. Surely, maybe it's just in vain that I've kept my heart pure. 
maybe living a life worthy of being a child of God isn't worth it. When it seems like I'm getting nothing in return, that God isn't being good to me. Here here I am, keeping my hands innocent, and all day long I'm afflicted. Every morning doesn't feel like blessings, it's just more punishment. So why bother being a believer, I thought. I almost spoke out like that. I, I, almost, I almost stepped out of the temple and, and took off the robe and said, I'm done. It's not worth it. But I didn't. It would have been betraying all of God's children to do that. I, I, I was thinking foolishly, like, like an idiot, like a brute beast, And then something changed. All of this was troubling me, and I couldn't figure it out. Until I went back to church. <laughs> yeah. Till I entered your sanctuary, God, met with your people, listened to your word, and saw something that went beyond what my eyes were seeing when I heard it in his word, and then it started to make sense. A couple things happened that I remembered from God and from his word. One is that even though I look out and I see everything seeming to go so well with the evil people in the world, God has the final say. Their destiny, if they remain in unbelief, is destruction. It's not a life of continued happiness and joy and power and prosperity But God says in his word that he is fair and he is just and he will punish the unjust unbeliever. And it will happen swiftly and quickly. They're on slippery ground. They're cast to ruin. They're suddenly destroyed. They're swept away. They disappear like when you wake up from a dream and it just kind of all fades away. God hasn't called me to be the judge and jury. He hasn't promised me that I will get to look out at the evil going on in this world and and I will get to see God deal with it swiftly. Sometimes I see that. Sometimes I, I may see the evil get punished, but most of the time I might not. And that's okay. Because that's God's job and not my job. And maybe it won't happen to some of these arrogant, evil people until they draw their their last breath of prosperity here on this earth and then find themselves cast away from God, utterly ruined and destroyed in hell forever. And God would be fair in doing that. Just as he would be fair for sending any of us away from him because of our evil thoughts, our, our violent thoughts, our unsaid dissatisfaction and selfishness. I saw through eyes of faith that even though it looked like God didn't care about me, that he wasn't with me, he was always with me. He was holding me up, he was guiding me, and in the end, the difference will be vast for the believer and the unbeliever. In the end, you will take me into your glory. Then I realized if I have God, I have everything that I need. I don't need anything else in the heavens above or the earth below. 
If I have God and he's with me, he's my portion, my strength forevermore. Therefore, I wanted to write this psalm. I wanted to tell others of your deeds because the sovereign Lord is my refuge and strength. And he is for you too. Hi, I'm Marcus. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a pastor here in North Mankato, Minnesota. 3,000 years, 6,000 miles removed from Asaph. Yet I can read this section of God's word too, and it just hits me right here. It's the same stuff. It's the same believers struggling with the same things oppressed by the same kinds of people, hurting in the same way, needing the same kind of hope. We have some things in common, not, not just Asaph and I, but all of us. Believers who have come before, believers who come after. Yet, like Asaph, maybe, maybe we have sometimes misunderstood that first verse he wrote. And I think perhaps in his heart in the beginning, he misunderstood that too. It says, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. There are good and right ways to understand that. God is good all the time to his believers, even when it doesn't look like it. But I have a feeling Asaph at first, and too often I at first, understand that differently, or want to understand it differently. Surely God is good to Israel. God is good to believers who are pure in heart. As if as long as I'm pure in heart, as long as I'm one of the good guys, as long as I'm doing good things for God, then God is going to be good to me. And he better be good to me. And he better be good to me exactly how I want him to be good to me. So that I don't go out and look at other people in this world. I, I, should, I should be head and shoulders above, especially above the unbelievers in this world. But if we treat the verse like that, if we treat our relationship with God like that, like if I'm good, then God is going to be materially, physically good to me all the time. And if I see struggle and if I see suffering, either he's not happy with me or he's not there or he doesn't care, I'm going to be disappointed a lot of the time. Asaph said when he looked out and he saw that his expectation wasn't lined up with his observation, he was disappointed. And it almost caused him to slip. Almost caused him to fall from faith. That still happens. It almost happened for me. Not, not slipping and falling from faith, but I almost decided not to become a pastor for some of these same reasons. It wasn't as open and obvious of, I think God should be blessing me right now because he owes me. But somehow we've gotten it into our heads that if you're doing what God wants you to, then he's going to bless you in that decision. And if there's struggle and if things are going hard and if others are, are doing better than you, then God must be kind of kicking you in the pants and saying, you're not doing what I want you to, at least not well enough. So for some of those reasons, I, I took off five years from studying to be a pastor because I was, I was trying to read the tea leaves of 
felt experience and the avoidance of struggle to figure out what God wanted for my life and if I was on the right path instead of studying his word and the principles of his word and using the God-given reason that he gave me and and either way would have been a God-pleasing decision. But for a while there, when things were not going well, when we were struggling, we thought, must be doing something wrong. And it can lead you away from God and maybe think that he's not there with you anymore. Surely God is supposed to be good to those who are pure in heart. I bet you can relate to Asaph too during that time in his life. Even if it's just when when the news stories come up or you hear about the evil going on in this world, when, when we're frustrated when we see how evil people, drug lords, sex traffickers, dictators, pornographers seem to just amass wealth and do what they want when politicians are are rude and evil, and yet still people follow them and just drink up their words, and you think, God, aren't you even watching anymore? Are you there? Do you care about, about fairness? Maybe sometimes you too are filled with envy when you see how the neighbors are doing, <laughs> the other people, the, the person who got the, the, the promotion that you got passed up for, and, and they didn't work nearly as hard as you did, and we start feeling a little bit like Asaph. Everybody out there is is doing better than me, and God's not doing anything about it. Social media doesn't help either. We we look online, and we get to see uh, most people on social media try and put their best face forward. So maybe we're scrolling through the Facebook page with our friends or through Twitter with celebrities, and it just seems like everybody has their life together, and it's perfect, and and their kids are beautiful, and they're obedient, and they've got enough money and new vehicles, and we just start to think, I am the only one that God doesn't care about. (laughs) Why why bother following him? It's not doing a whole lot of good, or, or just we get down, down, down. There are times when our our attitudes are bad. When we're avoiding struggle or suffering and we think, I don't deserve this, not as a Christian. God should be blessing me. And then we need to hear the strong rebuke that Peter heard in the gospel lesson for today. Jesus talked about the upcoming struggle, the upcoming suffering, the the rejection, the, the cross, And Peter said, no, Lord, anything but that. I'm going to take you aside and turn you away from that. And Jesus said for the Christian to think that they are entitled to avoid suffering and that suffering doesn't come with the Christian and to keep Jesus away from that, that's not only wrong, it's satanic. Get away from me, Satan. That kind of an idea would keep me from going to the cross for your salvation. And it's a dangerous idea for Christians, too, to think that our life should be easy, that we're owed that, because we follow the same path that Jesus did. And Jesus turned to the crowd around him and said, if anybody would follow me, he must take up his cross and follow me. A cross by nature is is heavy and hard, and that being a Christian means a life of denying yourself and yourself. Uh, pleasures, and turning away from your sinful 
self to be able to serve God. And that hurts a lot of time. That's difficult. And being a Christian, we may find that we're, we're disrespected and we're looked down upon. But when things are not going well for us in our life, sometimes it's an opportunity for us to repent and say, yes, God, if you would have me carry this cross, if you would have me deny myself, then let me do that. Let me turn to you and find strength in you. Turn away from sinfulness. And sometimes it's the opportunity for us to carry the cross like Christ did. Knowing that if there's no cross, then there's no Christian. The Christian life will involve struggling. And we can see through eyes of faith that God is with us through that struggle. And maybe it's true that it feels like the unbelievers out there are not struggling. Because you know what? Maybe they're not. An unbeliever is certainly not struggling against their sinful, selfish nature. They've given in to that. There's no fight at all there. Whereas the Christian may be enduring a life and death struggle every single day. There are times we need correction, and there are times we need to know that your, your current observation of what is going on in life is not what God expects and not what God says in his word. There are times we need correction, but there are also times we need forgiveness and encouragement to hang in there, and we all need that. And where do we go for that? Like Asaph, we walk into the sanctuary of our God, and there we find God's people and God's word, and there we find understanding even when life doesn't make sense, even when the struggle and the suffering doesn't make sense, even when God doesn't seem fair. God is here. God is with you. God has been holding you up by your right hand. He is the strength of your heart. And if we want to know what fair is, he lifts us up and he directs us to Jesus. And really, we're, we're going to see there is both fair and not fair at all. Fair because every single human sin needed to be punished for us to be able to be declared innocent and have life with God. Not fair because Jesus was the one who entered our humanity and had no sin of his own. If anyone could say, surely God is going to be good to somebody who's pure in heart, it would have been Jesus, completely and totally pure in heart. Yet in a way that seems completely unfair, God punished him for all of our sins, all of our selfish thoughts, all of our, our thinking, I don't deserve any suffering to come into my life. God punished Jesus for that. And maybe it even seems more unfair, but it's just equally, <laughs> is that Jesus also took the sins of all the, the evil, violent, terrible, big sinners out there that are a little bit more open and obvious, and he died for them too, because the truth is he doesn't want to judge them and condemn them to hell, but that they too would hear his word and live. And now as we go about our life, we know that God is always with us. He guides us with his counsel, with his word, and in the end, he will take us into glory. 
It might seem like the evil people in this world have amassed everything in heaven and on earth for themselves, and it just might not seem fair, but in the end, we have heaven itself. We have glory, we have God, and that is all that we need. Our bodies are breaking down. Some of you feel that more than others. <laughs> Some of you can nod right along with, with Asaph as, as he says, um, all day long I've been afflicted. Every morning brings new punishments. The aches and pains when you wake up in the morning. Our, our bodies are going to get older. We're going to have mental struggles and spiritual struggles. But even when our, our bodies go out and our hearts go out, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So where do we find strength in the struggle, strength to press on? It's only in the cross. It's only in the cross of Jesus. One of the symbols here at St. Paul's is now uh, down the stairs and in the entryway. You see it in the old pictures, the big cross with the crown on it. And it's a really good symbol for where our strength comes from. It comes from the cross. The heavy cross that Jesus carried, that Jesus was lift up, lifted up on for our forgiveness. The, the heavy cross that he calls us to carry, that the life of the Christian will involve struggle and suffering against sin and living in a sinful world. But around that cross is the crown. The crown of glory that will never spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, promised for you. It's worth it. First the cross, then strengthened by the word, together we'll take up the crown as Jesus takes us into glory because God is with us. So we say with the hymn writer, or the psalm writer, Whom am I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Amen.